Well, let's get started. Uh, welcome to Sunday School or Discipleship Class, whatever you want to call it. We're glad you guys are here for the class this morning. We're on the, uh, the 19th chapter of the Confession of Faith, which is uh, the Law of God. Welcome, guys. Come on in. Their handouts are available going around the room. We are at uh, the 19th chapter, and so we've been a, we've been a confessional church for longer than I've been born. Uh, it's been, this is our confession. Uh, this is what we believe the Bible teaches, and it has uh, been t- tried and tested and true. And so as I uh, invited you last week, take time to work your way through the Scripture proofs on each of these statements and see not just is this what the confession is saying, but is this what the Scripture is saying about the Bible or what, or what the Bible teaches. So please, uh, in, I invite you to do that. Uh, now, we are on... The fourth section of the 19th chapter, we're, we're basically every time taking two weeks on every chapter. Uh, and so we're going to try to finish today. If we don't finish, we'll, we'll you know, make it work. Uh, but we'll do our best to get through this. And uh, So as you're looking at it, just a brief recap of last time. We talked about the law of God being the perfect rule of righteousness. Uh, and it was delivered through time. We talked about this lengthy timeline that it was here in creation, uh, prior to creation, uh, and it was exhibited in the, the covenant of works or what God gave Adam to do, special revelation-wise, and and it was on his heart and on his conscience as well uh, in, in, in him. Uh, and then we saw the law delivered here uh, at Sinai. We saw the... Uh, law summarized in Jesus' statement uh, about the summary of the law. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor yourself. Uh, and this is the whole law. And then we saw the law. We're no longer under law, but under grace. And so what does that mean? What does that look like? And so we talked about three divisions of the Mosaic law being moral, <coughs> ceremonial, and judicial. Now, this one is abiding. This is the Ten Commandments. Think Ten Commandments there. Uh, we are called as, as believers in Christ to glorify God through doing those things. Uh, ceremonial law, ceremonial law is fulfilled in Christ. This is the uh, tabernacle, temple, sacrifices, all things related to and fulfilled in the atoning work of Christ. And so they're preaching Christ prior to Christ coming. And so there's no need to keep those things uh, now. But we go back to consult, consult them in Leviticus, Numbers, Exodus because they're useful for us to know Christ. Judicial, this is the civil law of Israel. Uh, They are under a theocracy. They were given the the law of God to to set them apart. Uh, And then the general equity, the principles of these things, still is abiding, uh, though we're not uh, obligated to do it in all the applications listed there. There's a lot of case law uh, related to specific uh, principles in that time of history. We're going to Move on from that, though. We talked about it a little bit, but we're gonna. I really want to get into uh, the next part of this sec- section, which is four, five, six, and seven, and give you some pictures of the law to help you understand what is its use for us today. Uh, so, oh, I, I said uh, four was the. I think four. We got through four last time, uh, and I'll just recap that for you. It says to them also body politic. He gave sundry judicial laws. That's the third use of them. They are a third division, which expired together with the state of the people, not obliga- obliging any other now further than the general equity thereof may, may require. So general equity, okay, the principles, of course, are timeless and abiding, so those things that are generally applicable today, we can, of course, pl- apply them. However, uh, that is not what we are uh, to keep as a law. Okay, now, uh, let's look at uh, the fifth section, and we'll pray and start. 
Uh, it says, The moral law doth forever bind all as well as justified persons as others to the obedience thereof, and that not only in regard of the matter contained in it, but also in respect of the authority of God, the Creator, who gave it. Neither doth Christ in the gospel in any way dissolve, but much strengthen this obligation. Let's uh, pray. Heavenly Father, we ask today that you would lead us to uh, a, a awareness of the strengthening of the obligation, of course, and that you'd uh, give us an awareness of the usefulness of this law and the teaching of your word on it. And we ask that you would lead us uh, as, a, as a church to, uh, to delight in your law, to find it sweet and uh, what it is able to accomplish, and to, to cling to Christ uh, for the things it is not able to accomplish. So we praise you and we ask that you make these things clear to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, yes, come on in, friends. Uh, it's a great, great crowd today, exciting. Uh, but as you look at this, uh, you see one passage in particular that I find to be very helpful out of this you know, uh, smorgasbord of options here is the, the one under the footnote K there, Matthew 5, 17 and 19. Uh, would someone read that one for me just to clarify that the moral law is not, uh, not abolished? Uh, 5, 17 and 19, Sermon on the Mount. Anyone got it? Looking for the first one to raise your hand. There you go, Todd. Todd got it. Oh, he beat you. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Meredith, if you want to go. Oh, no. Okay, I'll read it. 17 through 19? Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Uh, anything stand out to you guys on that one? Uh, not, an I, not an iota, not a dot? Uh, nothing. Okay, now, when I say not an iota, not a dot, that's the smallest uh, Greek letter. Uh, the Yoda, uh, and then the uh, the dots would be the vowel points. And all the, all that I mean, like the smallest little, and the, and a small little dot will change the meaning. So nothing, uh, you know, being abolished is very important. Jesus says, "Don't think I've come to abolish it." This is one of the problems. Everyone was thinking, "Oh, you came to undo Moses." He's like, no, no, no. Over and over again, he's like, I came to fulfill Moses. Uh, Moses was speaking about me. Uh, you guys have misunderstood it if you haven't understand that I am coming to fulfill Moses and. And even when we, we saw Jesus being baptized uh, by John the Baptist, he says, this, has been, this is being done so that all righteousness will be fulfilled. He was circumcised on, this, on the seventh day, according to the law of Moses, because all righteousness should be fulfilled. Uh, why did he get mad at the, uh, the money changers of the temple? Because they're breaking the law. Uh, the, lo Jesus loves the law. Uh, Jesus is fulfilling the law because this is his father's will. You've got to think about this. The law is important. Jesus loves the law. Uh, David foreshadowed that in his love of the law, and Christ surpasses him in his love for the law, and he doesn't abolish it. He fulfills it. He keeps it, and he uh, satisfies the, the, the types and shadows of the ceremonial law, and he uh, establishes not just a mere uh, civil community, but a multinational, transtemporal people of God, a kingdom uh, beyond the, the central kingdom in Israel there. Okay, now... I think that's clear. Let's just go on to the next thing. Uh, I don't want to move in. I don't want to take any more time on it unless you got some questions. We'll talk about it afterwards. Let's go here to six. Uh, although true believers be not under the law's covenant works, uh, 
to be thereby justified or condemned, yet it is of great use to them. Now, just stop there. Uh, We're not under the covenant of of works to be justified or condemned, uh, yet it is of great use to them as well as to others, and that is a rule of life. So we're not under it as a covenant of works. So Christ fulfills the covenant of works for you. He fulfills all the righteousness of the law, so he is the end of the law for you as a means of justification. It will not justify you. Uh, It will not condemn you because you're in Christ. You can no longer... You're going to be no less or more justified by your obedience to God's law. You will be forevermore justified in Christ through faith. And his active obedience to the law is your righteousness. So that's the the key point here is that we're not under the law as a covenant of works, or meaning uh, a promise of blessings or curses based upon obedience or disobedience to this covenant, the law. Now, it is of great use, and let's talk about those uses, okay? So I'm going to look at uh, the board here and point to these five images, okay? And we're going to talk about ways the law is uh, useful. So number one, the law is a picture. What do I mean when I say the law is a picture? Representation. Yeah, I mean like, you know, like you say you've got a, a picture, say they might have a picture of John Wesley in this building, right? You know, and, and, and say, hey, that's, this is what John Wesley looked like. Now, uh, that would not be John Wesley, but it would be a, a, hopefully an accurate representation of what John Wesley looks like. Uh, many of you have pictures on your phones, uh, your devices of people you love, and uh, those things would not be uh, the thing themselves, but they'd be a representation of the thing. So when we're talking about the law, the law is a picture of God. This is where we see what God looks like, uh, so, so to speak. If he, he, this is, uh, you know, when you think about uh, the, uh, let's say, one of the Ten Commandments. Throw out a Ten Commandment. Thou shalt not kill. Shall not kill. Okay, you're right. So why would that be a picture of God? Let's think about that. Why would thou shalt not kill be a picture of God? Because you're killing an image bearer. You're killing an image bearer. God cares about life. He is uh, against the killing of image bearers. God loves uh, uh, people because uh, they're his image bearers. This, he set his image upon them to represent him. So when we take uh, the life of an uh, image bearer, we have to have authorization to do so. Uh, if we do not, we are striking against God and striking against life. And so that's a big, big no-no because that's who God is. Uh, all right, any thought? Yeah, let me give you another one. That's one. What's another? Sabbath. The Sabbath. Okay, yeah. So God uh, created in six days and then rested on the seventh day uh, in order to give us a, a, an appointment to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And we're to work and rest. Work six days, rest the seventh day. So then uh, in the New Covenant, we rest on the first day and then work the next six days. Uh, pointing uh, Prior, pointing back to creation, now we're pointing back to the new creation that's begun in Christ. Uh, the work of the new creation has begun in Christ. And so we're uh, joyfully, thankfully uh, working under the Lord, uh, <clears throat> gratefully keeping that law, because that's who God is. Uh, God works and rests, and we image Him in our working and resting. Any others? Shall not lie. Shall not lie. Man, you talk about one that pictures God, right? Mm-hmm. God is faithful. God is true. God will never lie. He never changes. And we, we should not bear false witness uh, because God bears true witness. Uh, and, you know, the, the 
law came through Moses and grace and truth has come through Christ. Uh, truth has come through Christ. He has fulfilled law, the law of Moses in all ways. Truth is important to God and we should be truthful. Okay, that, that gets into the, the mirror situation too. So the picture is, this is who God is. Now the mirror, I said, like you're an image bearer. So when you think about the mirror situation, we look at the law and we say, well... Uh, I am not really good at resting and working appropriately because uh, I may find myself to be uh, a person who likes pleasure too much and lazy. So I don't give my whole heart the six uh, days and I, I slack off and I, and I steal from the company by checking my Facebook or Twitter all day long and, and not working. <laughs> or, like, those are terrible things that, that would be uh, against the law of God. And I look at it I'm like, well, that's not glorifying to God. Uh, so it's a mirror to me, you know? And, and so if I think about, wow, all the ways I shade the truth to make myself look better and all the ways that I, I, I you know, gripe at people and call them fools and think they're, you know, a nuisance to me and I don't value their, the dignity of the person as image bearer. All the ways that you think about just those three uh, that we mentioned earlier, uh, we can find them to be a mirror to uh, reveal, oh, we are not as good as we thought we were. And it's a humbling experience to see, oh, I actually look like that. That's, uh, that's not what I thought I was. So mirror uh, is, uh, is the second image of what the law can be for us today. It's of use for us, right? It's a use of, as a picture of God, a mirror of God. Uh, you're clear on that one, mirror? Okay, absolutely, right? Map. Okay, what is the map situation? What's a map? You know, you got, no one uses maps right today, right? We all use, uh, just plug it in the GPS. Uh, but you know, that's a good one right there because, uh, you know, the, the GPS is telling you uh, where to go, right? How to get there. So, uh, so how to get there, how to glorify God, how to enjoy Him, how to do so is by uh, obedience to the law. This is the way. Uh, there is no other way uh, but obedience to the law uh, to enjoy Him. You, you, will, you will curse yourself, curse everyone around you, hurt yourself, harm yourself by disobedience to the law. This is a hard, hard reality is that uh, we want to think that there's life outside of obedience to the law. But the map is, this is the, okay, so let's think about it in order, right? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, you should have no other gods. This is the way to life. The way to life is in one God, one Lord. No other gods. Worship Him in the way I am giving you to do it. Uh, no images. Uh, don't take His name in vain. Uh, the, the, so the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Honor your father and mother's all authority. Six, don't kill. Seven, no adultery. Eight, no lying. Or uh, eight, uh, no stealing. Nine, no lying. Uh, ten, uh, no coveting. Uh, that's the way uh, to uh, glorify God, and enjoy Him. That's the map. Yes. Mm -hmm. And also, Scripture says over and over, "This is my guide to your salvation." This is my guide. So, so, so if you, so, and and, and I think that's an interesting point you make there because if you were able to keep the law you would be able to satisfy all his demands and you would be able to save yourself. That's what the Bible teaches. But the reality also is it teaches that when we look at the law, the mirror says, you are lost apart from Christ. And you must confess, you need his blood to atone for your sins and you need his perfect righteousness to the law. Otherwise, there's no hope. That's clear, right? I mean, you're thinking like that. Man, that is the way to salvation. And that's right. The, law, the way to salvation is the active <coughs> obedience of Christ to the law. You can't even understand how you get saved unless you know that that's what Jesus is doing. He is keeping the law uh, in his life. And then he's dying 
for our disobedience to the law in his death. The map is clear when you think about it as the, as the law, the way to salvation. What about fences? The laws are fences. I, I, I want to, I yeah, maybe I'm, that's not as clear as the other ones, but like when you have a fence, uh, it enables you to, to know the boundaries uh, so you can be creative within that and you have some direction, right? You know, if you don't have any parameters, it's hard to even know what your job is, right? Like if you're, that's a frustrating position when your boss gives you a, a task and, and there's no, like, well, there's no task. It's like, they just show up and like, what do you do? You know, but, but if you have a law, you have fences in order to, to guide you. And so if you think about it, like, so, you know, the Ten Commandments are very uh, broad principles uh, and they give you the fence in which to, to play. And so, uh, and to glorify God. So if you had a uh, situation where you didn't have those things, you might be in danger, but this keeps you free from danger. So a fence with a child's playground keeps the, the child out of danger. And then within that, they're free to do imaginative play, play ball. It's up to you. You know, you got all the situations you could do within tag, you know, you got all the, all the safe options within the fence. But if you don't have the fence, uh, there's danger. And, and there's, you know, a, a misunderstanding of what am I supposed to be doing here? Uh, it's, a, it, it's clear it's a playground because there's a fence there. Now, it's clear that this is God's world because he's given us the fence, and he's given us, uh, you know, now some things might not be for everybody in this, uh, this position where we are, you know. So we have, uh, you know, consciences and uh, personalities and temperaments and all these different things. And so within the <clears throat> fence, there's a lot of different paths, a lot of different uh, activities we could be involved in uh, that glorify God. And that's, you know, that's why we have the freedom of the conscience. Uh, we don't want to bind people's conscience and put, put them into smaller cages Right, fence them up into cages where God's word didn't say to put them there. Right, so we want to be careful to not put people in cages when God's established a fence. You know, that's one of the problems of the Pharisees. It's like Jesus says, "Hey, you know, listen to what they say when they're talking about Moses." He says that. Listen to them in Matthew twenty-five, or actually Matthew twenty-three, one. But it says, "Look, but don't do what they do. They're they're hurting people. But when they when they're accurate, yes, listen to what Moses says." Yeah. So, but but when you tell people they, they can't uh, heal on the Sabbath, you know, when they tell people you can't uh, do these things because uh, that would be uh, that'd be absolutely wrong. So so think about uh, the, con- the the convictions you have. You have freedom to do something another Christian wouldn't have to do. Uh, you know, and, and and you know, rejoice in that. But don't try to, I guess, beat up everybody else that doesn't have the same freedom you have. Or or judge other people who have freedom. If it's, not, if it's not explicitly commanded or condemned in Scripture, let's let it lie. I mean, these are, the, these are the fences we have. Let's not make new fences to fence ourselves in. And I actually think we're more holy because we have a, we have a more stringent fence than God even requires, right? That's something we, also, we often find ourselves uh, trying to impress ourselves, impress everybody else by, look at what I'm doing. You know, you guys aren't doing what I'm doing. Look at how serious I am. You know, well, God's not impressed. You know, that, he, he doesn't need that. Uh, in fact, he's giving you these other things to enjoy, so you're just kind of, you know, you're not thankful. I, there's just a, there's a, there's a all kind of misfunction with that. So, oh, it's fine. Yeah. Let's talk about what's wrong. Uh, MRIs and X-rays. You know, you know, anyone ever had anyone ever not had an MRI or X-ray? Uh, I mean, I feel like everyone's probably had one at this point, right? You know, you, you, you know, you're at a point in life where you've been no, never, never. Oh, I guess teeth. Dental, yeah. I would think yeah. De- yeah, dentist got to be, yeah. 
Now that's right. So Adele, you're very uh, blessed in not having any. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except the dental. Yeah, we're gonna keep you in, in mint condition here. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, but now, man, um, MRIs or X-rays. You know, when you have a problem, uh, Lainey had a problem recently. Yes, uh, and and they took her to get her knee looked at. MRIs and X-rays will tell you what the problem is. You know, they'll look underneath the skin and see under there are the bones messed up or the muscles messed up. What's going on? Uh, and what is our problem? And that gives you the, the capacity to diagnose. Okay, the MRI machine, uh, what is its limits? It only sees certain things, right? Okay, yeah, it's only designed, it's only, it has a program to see what it can see, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one limit, right? It, it can only do what it's, you know, programmed to do and is capable of. So what are some things, it's, other things it's incapable of doing? Just still picture. It's, it's okay. It's a still picture, right? It can be yeah, you, ultrasounds though. Right now, like 4D. I mean, it's like really pretty good. So you can see some things that are that are pretty awesome there. You know, which you guys have screens with, of course. Uh, it but yeah, the problem that doesn't tell us yeah. the truth. It yeah. can't. It can't. An MRI is not the place to get fixed. You know, like that's the thing. Like so, that's the point of the law. Is the law is not the place to get fixed. The law mm -hmm. gives you a picture, a mirror tells you the problem again. Like it, it also is the MRI, of course. Uh, and, and it, and I would say mirror positively, it does give me, hey, you're an image bearer, right? I mean, not, not just a negative, but it tells you some things and some things to be thankful for where God has helped you to be obedient and, and of that nature, of course, but, but the MRI is strictly the problem. Well, an MRI, any type of imaging yeah. uses an outside force uh -huh. to reveal what is going on internally. Yes, yes, yes. So it's not in you, right? Okay, is that what you're getting at? Soul can't mm -hmm. see. We... Ah, yes, okay. We reveal our own uh -huh. problems. Yeah. We need the law. Right. We need Christ. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Don't you think, reveal. yeah, that's, that's a good insight, insight, right? Because it's, yes, because what you're saying is that you, you can look at, uh, you know, like, uh, why is the bone breaking? You know, like, why is this uh, a problem? Is there a systemic problem, right? Why is there uh, dysfunction there? Could it be a greater problem? And uh, we see our brokenness, and we, we need to ask, you know, what is the problem? Is this something I can fix? Some things you get the, you get the, the diagnosis, and it's something you cannot fix. Mm -hmm. You know, that is what we're talking about here is a problem that we see in the imaging. And it is a, you have almost no time to live here. This is a major problem. The law is an MRI that says, you're dead. You're a dead man walking. You are not okay, and there is certain death for you and judgment. Uh, and that's the, that's the situation. We can't, we can't sugarcoat that at all. It is an MRI of death. Uh, it is not uh, something we can fix. Uh, again, the MRI machine doesn't fix us. It diagnoses the problem, but it tells us the awful grave results of our health, uh, which is no good, no good at all, right? So I think that's a big, big, huge point. Yes? So that's why um, in Scripture you see... People following the law and having faith in the one, as the psalmist says, search me and know me, mm -hmm. the Lord. So the law reveals part of the problem and points to a certain behavior or a certain belief, mm -hmm. but that only God and His Spirit can actually know what's wrong and fix it inside you. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like you know, like they, they you know, like Israel sought the law, sought righteousness through the law, didn't obtain it. Those who didn't seek it, obtained it. Now, it's not that seeking, the, seeking uh, righteousness through the law is actually a 
bad thing. I mean, it's a fine thing to do, uh, but if you have a veil over your face and over your ears, you can't hear Christ, it's not going to do you any good. You know, like it can't do you any good, right? To, to try to do the law. I mean, like you said, Christ and his spirit must transform you. You are incapable of transforming yourself or improving your position in any way. So let's just rock, walk our way through here uh, on these uh, next uh, points of the uh, sixth section here. It says, uh, in this law... As a rule of life, and informs them of the will of God and their duty. It directs and binds them to walk accordingly. Uh, it discover discovering also the sinful pollutions of their nature. Do y'all see any of the images in these already? You're seeing them as we walk through. Uh, their uh, the sinful pollutions of their nature, hearts and lives. So as examining themselves thereby, they may come to further conviction of humiliation for and hatred against sin. Uh, together with a clear sight of the need they have of Christ and the perfection of his obedience. It is likewise of use to the regenerate to restrain their corruptions in that it forbids sin and the threatenings of it serve to show that even when even their desires or even their sins deserve uh, what even their sins deserve and what afflictions in this life they may expect for them, although freed from the curse thereof threatened in the law. Promises of it, in like manner, show them God's approbation of obedience and what blessings they may expect upon the performance thereof. Although not as due to them by the law of the covenant work, so as a man's doing good and refraining from evil, because the law encourages to the one and deterreth from the other, is no evidences of being under the law and not under grace. Uh, okay. Uh, as you, you know, it's a lot of words, uh, just a ton of words. I got lost in it reading it. So I hope that you got more out of it than I did because I was, I was trying to get it out of my, out of my mouth there and I was struggling. Uh, but a lot of words. Let me, let me sum it up for you with three uh, uses uh, that Calvin gave us uh, in the uh, Institutes and uh, in the formula of Concord Luther did. So, so, so number one is... Uh, So we got, uh, this is the, uh, let's call it the, uh, uh, well, there's always different numberings on these, but, but number one, let's call it the, uh, the general use. And then you've got the, uh, the drive you to Christ. Use. And then you've got the law of perfect freedom. Yeah, reformed people talk about three uses of the law, and you can see these in that giant uh, paragraph we read there. But, but there's the general use. This is the uh, you know the law is good. I mean, like our should our government be using the law as a, uh, a basis for making laws, just laws, righteous laws? Yes, general use. Uh, so just laws. Uh, two, the law drives you to Christ. This is the uh, second use of the law. Uh, I think someone called it the first use of the law, I, I, but I, this is, I mean, they're, they dumb them differently, but it's the uh, drive you to Christ view of the law. It, it shows you my sin, shows you my MRI and my mirror, and it drives me to, to find Christ. And, it, and, and that's the day I became a Christian, the day I, until, until, I, until I, uh, the last breath, I will always need the law for that to, uh, to show me my sin and my misery and, and, and disobeying God and to, and to, Point me to Christ and my need for Him. 
Number three is the law of perfect freedom. It does show me the way, as we said, the map toward glorifying God. Obedience to the law is the perfect freedom. And we need that because what we've been set free from is slavery from sin. Mm-hmm. We've talked about in our, in our work of the Order of Salutis that, that the pollution of sin is cured. Uh, that the guilt of sin uh, is cured in Christ, but the presence of sin still abides until glory. So the pollution of sin, meaning we have uh, the, the power that it has over us, is, is, is actually abolished. Uh, we are not under bondage to sin any longer. We're set free from that. Uh, we still have sin abiding in us, but we are not under its mastery. We're under Christ's lordship. Now we're set free. Now that's the, those are the three uses of the law. Uh, final final uh, section here. Let's go to seven, the last uh, section. It says, Neither are the forementioned uses of the law contrary to the grace of the gospel, but do sweetly comply with it. The Spirit of Christ subduing and enabling the will of man to do what that freely and cheerfully which the will of God revealed in the law required to be done. A lot of guys out there, they want to put this in there uh, because there's a... There's a Okay, so if, if, if we don't need to keep the law to, to justify ourselves, well, uh, and, and we're incapable of fulfilling the law perfectly, so what's the use of the law? This is answering that objection. You know? So it's saying, hey, it, it, as they say, sweetly complies with the grace of the gospel to, to try to, uh, to follow the law. Uh, you know, and, and gratitude and thankfulness, cheerfully, freely, the will of God. Uh, that's, so not under obligation to justify yourself, but cheerfully and freely. Uh, it enables the will of man. Uh, the Spirit of Christ subdues and enables the will of man to do it freely and cheerfully, as it says there. Great words. That's good to, good to end on there. The law is good. Uh, our problem is we can't keep it. Christ fulfills it in his active obedience and, and, and pays the price in his uh, passive obedience. Uh, these five are, are good uses uh, for us to consider the way the law functions in our life today. Uh, really, it is a good thing. And then, uh, the uh, three uses of the historical ways of thinking about it, which are included in the confession chapter there as well. Uh, okay, so any questions before we wrap it up today? Yeah? Nobody? Oh. Hmm? Antinomianism, meaning, you know, like uh, anti-law, no law, right? Meaning, uh, you know, like the, the law is bad, so we shouldn't do it. Uh, you know, do whatever you want, doesn't matter, right? That's, the, that's, a, that's a, just as bad as legalism, right? Legalism is trying to earn your, earn your keep through keeping laws. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's the other option uh, of distortions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, because you hear, you hear it all the time nowadays. Mm-hmm. Have you people read the New Testament? Yeah, it's a lot of law. Do's and don'ts, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Think they came from somewhere. It's not like you, you just run down the street naked. The New Testament now. There's, there's rules there. There, there, there is that. Yeah, freedom. Freedom doesn't mean doing whatever I want to do anytime yeah. I want. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's boundaries. Yeah. Okay. The real distinction here in number seven is the fact that. So many people looked at the law and mm-hmm. they look at it today. It's an obligation. Mm-hmm. I have to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. I have to do mm-hmm. it in order to be saved. Mm-hmm. But the real distinction is, no, when you're saved yeah. and you believe in Christ and you know you've been saved under grace, you yeah. get that a freeing 
I want to do it. You're a new creature. This is important to mm -hmm. me. You know, so your whole perspective of what mm -hmm. the law is and yeah. why it's important to you and to Christ mm -hmm. is redefined. Yeah. You're a new creature. You want to freely obey because the Spirit's working. You cheer. It's a cheerful thing for you. Now, that's, a, that, that's not always the case that we're all there at, that, at every point, right? And so we've got a lot right. of work to do in mortifying sin. But the principle is that we are free from sin. And so we, we seek to mortify or put it to death. Now, this antinomianism, legalism, we can talk more about that. We're going to talk about uh, Christian liberty next week. Uh, so that's a, the, the 20th chapter. Um, and continue the discussion, uh, if you will. Uh, we've got to get to worship. But uh, again, take some time, go through the verses, see, see the uses of the law. The law is a good thing for the believer. Uh, and as you, as, uh, but I, I'd caution you with this. Remember the order. Uh, the indicative precedes the imperatives. What God has done always uh, leads into what you should do. Uh, so indicative leads to imperative. As you think about Romans, Romans 1 through 11 is what God has done. Romans 12 through 16 is what you shall now do. Uh, Ephesians, similar manner, 1 through 3, what God's done, 4 through 6 is what we do uh, in response. So think of that the way Paul sets it up indicative to imperative. Okay, well, that said, let's, uh, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we are in awe of your, the perfection of your law and the, and the design you've given for us, the ways that you have set us out uh, to function, to bring glory to you. And though we are corrupted now, uh, having fallen in Adam and had, having death reign through Adam uh, to the giving of the law, we have seen your uh, perfection in keeping the law, and we have seen uh, your perfection in your atoning for our sins and the death of our death and the destruction of hell uh, yeah, for us. Uh, and so we add by faith, we look to you, the keeper of the law and the fulfiller of the law, Christ, and we ask that you would give us joy in our hearts today as we worship you and that you would bind us together to be a holy people uh, with you, a holy God, uh, and, and call us to, uh, to delight in uh, your presence and in one another's presence today uh, by the sake of Christ for his glory we ask in Jesus name. Amen. All right, friends, thank y'all.